You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Nick, how are you doing today? Doing great, Dave. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. So uh, this afternoon, we're going to talk a little bit about something that's been grabbing all the headlines, and we've been getting tons of client questions and comments on which I'm just calling the the GameStop problem for right now. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. There's a lot going yeah. on there, a lot yeah. to unpack, um, but really just want to kind of give everybody a general understanding of what's going on and, and what you should be doing about it. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I thought first it would make sense to talk about like what's going, what what has happened, and then we can kind of talk about the mechanics behind it and what it might all mean. So... For those of you who don't know, and probably nobody knew before last week, unless you had a teenager at home that likes video games, right. games GameStop is a, a brick and mortar business that you see in strip malls that is in the business of buying and selling used video games. Yeah. Hard, like, yeah, like discs. discs yeah, trigger. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they're doing that in a world where most gamers and i'm a little bit out on a limb here because i'm not one myself but can download games from just about anywhere they're not buying cd-rom discs anymore the way they did a few years ago and so it's a little bit of a a little bit of an anachronistic uh, business model kind of like blockbuster a few years ago right yeah, absolutely. And I have the privilege of having a nine-year-old boy. So I know all <laughs> sorts of things about uh, how, to, how to find a new PlayStation 5 for Christmas and all okay. that good stuff. And so, um, yes, as far as discs go, PlayStation and Xbox came out with new consoles. Both of them have an option to have a disc or mm-hmm. the option to have no disc insert option available at all. Everything would be... Um, just via download and, and saved on the hard drive. So that's kind of, and I would, I would be surprised if the next generation had the option to have a disc. Right. Right. Kind of like uh, nobody goes out and, well, some people still go out and buy records, you know, but it's more of a novelty now, right? It's records not, are coming back. I got a 16 well, year old that yeah. has records, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, uh, my 21 year old got a record player for Christmas and oh, there you uh, go. Yeah. So, but it's, but it's now it's kind of like a fatty cool yeah. thing. It's not, right. it's not the business model if you want to sell music. And yeah. so, so GameStop doesn't look like a very uh, viable long-term investment, right? Right. Absolutely. So last year, and I can't tell you exactly when this started because it's not all public information, but a bunch of big hedge funds looked at GameStop and thought, you know, this business is going nowhere. I'll bet the stock is going to fall. And when when you think a stock is going to fall, you do what's called shorting the stock. And right. when, you, when you short a stock, you're borrowing shares from a brokerage firm and who hypothetically sell them on your behalf at a price. Mm-hmm. And your goal as the shorting investor is to then buy those shares at a lower price and pay back the brokerage firm. Right. So essentially, if you buy GameStop, and I'm just using arbitrary numbers, but you buy or you borrow it at $10 a share, and then you go out and the price drops, and you're able to accumulate or buy it at $8 a share to pay off your loan, you've made $2 mm-hmm. a share. Right. 
Right. It's not that simple, though, because if you're borrowing shares to sell short, you have to do it in a margin account. And it's technically a loan. So if if I'm going to take that investment action instead of putting my own money in and that's my, you know, I don't have any extra cost, you're paying interest on that money that you use to short the stock while you're still short. So you've got carrying costs. And you also have to maintain equity in a margin account. So if your investment loses value and in a short sale, that means the stock went up instead of down, you have to put more money in the account. It's what's called a margin call. And it gets really technical really quick. And that's not really our point today to talk about you know, margin calls and the mechanics of shorting stocks. But it's important. It's an important part of this story just to know that that's part of what's going on in the background. Yeah, and part of the reason for that is if you think about it, if you're borrowing shares at the hopes that they're going to go down in value, if the opposite happens, the share price theoretically could go to an unlimited price. Right. So right. that's why the um, the lender is saying, "Hey, wait a minute, you know, we're you're on the hook here. You got to give us some more money yeah. to hold on to, because we're not going to be out, you know, an unlimited amount of money." So. So you've got the, these large institutions basically making big bets that that's, that company's going to essentially go out of business, that that stock's right. going to be worthless. And then you've got these investor chat rooms on Reddit, which mm-hmm. I don't really understand Reddit, but it's basically chat rooms to talk about stock trading. And right. I'm sure showing my age here a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so so they get together and they talk about you know, what stocks they want to invest in and what they're going to do. Well, one way or another, they started talking amongst each other about investing in GameStop. Right. And that, you know, they, as they started investing in GameStop, that pushed the price up, which works against those hedge funds that were hoping the stock would go down. And word got out amongst these folks online that these huge hedge funds with billions of dollars were betting the stock was going to fall. They, that kind of sparked this populist movement of, Hey, if we buy the stock and drive the price up, those guys are going to get stuck. Right. Yeah. It's one of those, um, you know, from the, from the Reddit retail side, the interesting part of this story is it's something that we have seen happen before when wall street firms kind of fight each other, but we have Mm -hmm. not seen it to this scale where a group of retail investors and and in the wall street journal, they called it the nerds versus wall street, Mm -hmm. um, where, where they come together to do, you know, what they're doing, which is trying to push the price up to, effectively harm uh, the Wall Street firms that have shorted this. And so that's right. the really interesting part is that you have a group of, you know, regular average Joes that enjoy trading and talking about things. Yeah. Um, and probably are younger in this, you know, millennial generation that grew up with GameStop and hopes to kind of yep. save the company and, and push it higher and tell Wall Street that, you know, their their favorite GameStop company isn't going to be pushed out of business. That, you know, I think right. that's kind of the rhetoric that was going around these Reddit pages. Right, right. They were taking, you know, they're, 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 they're winning at Wall Street's game in a way is the way they're yeah, seeing it. Exactly. And, and what they're doing, it, 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 there's a name for this. It's called a short squeeze. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you see one hedge fund 
put a short squeeze on another. And so part of what happens in a short squeeze, that stock price starts to go up. So then that, that person, that hedge fund that's short the stock, they have to make a decision, right? Are they going to watch it keep going up and keep losing money? Or are they going to wait in hopes that it comes back down? It's the flip side psychologically of when you own a stock and you're watching it go down and you're wondering if it's going to come back up. At some point, though, because theoretically it could, as as these Reddit folks have, they joke about it going to the moon, right? They put, right. They put uh, rocket ship emojis in their texts about, <laughs> yeah. about GameStop. If it goes to the moon, you know, they're going to be out billions of dollars in these hedge funds. And they, they, they had to decide whether they were going to close their position, which means buying the stock at the higher price to pay off their loan, right? Right. And, and so what happens when they buy the stock to close off their loan? That pushes the price up even higher. Right. So we see this, this feedback loop where the Reddit folks push the stock up, the hedge funds have to close their position, and you know it just keeps pushing it up in a higher spiral. But now you've got this situation where people are looking at this stock going up and up and up and deciding they want to get in on that too, right? Right. So... I don't think you'll find either Nick or myself shedding a tear over hedge fund managers losing a whole bunch of money. Okay. I have absolutely (laughs) no love lost there. Okay. Um, They, they, you, you know, I don't look at them as a bad guy the way they're sometimes portrayed. They play a function in the market, but you know, they don't necessarily play nicely and watching them get beaten at their own game is kind of funny in a way. Sure. What's not funny is what I think, and I and, and you and I have talked about this ahead of time, so I already know what you think, is, is what's going to happen to these small individual investors that are now buying, you know, driving this stock price up. Um, you know, it, it, when, we, when we talk about stocks and investing, we're looking at usually what a company's earnings are and what we expect those earnings to be in the future. Right. 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 And that, and, and so there it's, it's called fundamental analysis and it's mm-hmm. looking at the viability of a business and where you think it's going to go. And that's a big component of stock prices. And you'll hear debate on CNBC or MSNBC where they're talking about valuations. Well, they'll say something like, you know, that stock trades at a, multiple of 18. And what they mean is the price is 18 times bigger than its earnings this year. But we think it can support a multiple of up to 22. Okay. Which means the stock price could be 22 times its earnings, but they're always coming back to that expectation of earnings. Right. Mm -hmm. Now think about GameStop. We already talked about, this is a dying business model for all intents and purposes, and there's no value there. Right. Or at least not to support a $300 share price. Right. So, so is any rational and so, so you're, so let's say you got in on this craze, you wanted to help drive the price up to play this game against these hedge funds. Now you own a couple shares that you bought at a hundred dollars and now they're at $300. You look like you made a lot of money on paper, right? Yeah. You got to sell those shares to somebody though, right? Before you've actually made any money. Right. So the value isn't there to support that. It's just a whole. The other aspect of stock prices is popularity. Right. And so, you know, back to the idea of multiples and, and what a stock should be priced, you know, like a company like Tesla has a higher multiple of their earnings because people have great 
feelings about it and expect it's going to do better than the rest of the market. Right. I don't think anybody that's rational thinks GameStop is all of a sudden going to start earning enough money to value itself at $300 a share. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, that's the, the tricky thing about the stock market and, and stocks in general. It's, it's not necessarily based on what that company is worth. It's based on what you believe it's worth. And a lot of that's driven by its supply and demand. Right. Right. The more people that are trying to buy it, the higher the price is going to go, regardless of what it's actually worth or what it will be worth. And that's kind of what's happening here. And I think you've got the hedge funds, obviously, that are that have the short positions, and you have the um, the Reddit nerds that are kind of trying to push them out. And so you have this group that kind of is in on the gambit. They know what's going on. But now what you're seeing is a lot of people just jumping on this and not really being sure what they're getting into. Yeah. And that's where we have concerns yeah. because that's those are the people that are going to get hurt. And it's easy right. to buy and inflate the price and watch it go higher. But it's extremely hard when people start to decide to turn around and get well, out. And it, and it becomes a game of musical chairs, right? right? All of a sudden, you know, somebody that got in on that is going to say, okay, I want my money out because I'm going to go buy a new car. You know, I, I made $10,000 or whatever on paper. I want to go buy a car with that. So they're mm-hmm. going to sell their shares. They have to sell them to someone at the price that they're right. seeing, right? And as as that starts to happen, all of a sudden, that stock price is going to start to go down because now people right. are selling instead of buying. And as that happens, all of a sudden, there's no value there. There's just a price and that price is going to collapse. It, it, at some point, it comes back down to valuations. Right. Because there's two, two sides to every trade, right? Somebody's mm-hmm. got to be on the other end that wants to buy wants, your GameStop right. for $500 a share. Right. <laughs> and they'd be nuts. They'd be right. nuts. I mean, there's no, there's no investment there. It's just right. value. I, you know, I was joking with somebody yesterday that, you know, ask anybody who bought Beanie Babies, you know, what was that, 10 or 15 years ago? You know, Beanie Babies have no intrinsic value except what someone else will pay you for them. Right. They went crazy for a while. Or like the more historical example is the tulip craze from, you know, the 1600s in Holland. That was the first big documented investment bulb. You know, yeah. what, what is a tulip bulb worth? Well, they were worth thousands of dollars to some people for a little while, you know, because they were cool to have or, you know, pick your pick your craze. But, you know, at the end of the day, if there's no investment value there, some people are going to get caught with these shares that they paid a couple hundred dollars for and they're going to be worthless. Yeah. And I, and I think that's another good point, too, that people might not understand is just because you're investing in a company that doesn't do anything for the company as a whole. It's just their share price. Right. So GameStop's not making any money because a bunch of people are trading their shares. Nothing yeah. has changed fundamentally for that business yeah. other than the fact that their name is in the news. So, you know, you yes. might have people that go in now to GameStop that never were going to, because it's kind of like this cool odyssey thing of, Hey, right. let's see what all the rage is about. But chances right. are that's not going to drive a fundamental change in their business. Long unless, long. unless for some reason they're able to like turn themselves into the Netflix. Remember Netflix used to deal in physical right. CD, or DVDs mailing them around and now they're streaming online, you know, unless GameStop figures out a way to, um, you know, beat steam at its own game or something like that. See, I'm not, yeah. I'm not that old. I do know what steam is, <laughs> but, uh, you know, unless they figure that out, there's no value there. And eventually it right. just comes crashing down. And it's, it's one thing to, to kind of snicker at the, at the hedge funds, you know, having to cover themselves and be all angry. 
it's another when somebody with you know a couple thousand dollars is their is their savings and they've they've thrown it away on this you know sure it was fun to participate in but it's not a viable investment strategy it's not an investment strategy at all yeah and, and so and, and we've done the podcast right on the uh, why we don't recommend individual stocks and yeah. and, and what i tell yep. people that are interested in this is like we said on that podcast, you know, take take the money that you'd take to the casino, right? 100, 500 bucks, invest that. Because if you, you know, in something like a GameStop or something like that, where you're not concerned if you lose it all. Um, because right. this is more entertainment than it's not an investment right. strategy, right? It's entertainment. Right. And so right. making sure that you distinguish those two things is really important in this type yeah. of scenario. You know, buying, buying shares of GameStop to make a statement about Wall Street would be the equivalent of, you know, writing that check to writing a check as a donation to a watchdog organization that, you know, tries to make sure hedge funds have to follow the rules, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, other than that, you might as well just light your hundred dollar bills on fire on the street. <laughs> right. And yeah. unless you're lucky. And I'm not saying everybody that's involved is going to lose money. I know that that would be naive, but to go into it thinking that this is a sound investment strategy would just be silly. And, yeah. you know, we saw this with day trading in 1999, 2000. It was very much the same philosophy. If a company had .com after its name, it soared through the roof for a while because mm-hmm. day traders and what they don't realize, what they didn't realize at the time was my two-year-old daughter could have picked stocks in that environment because everything went up. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the emperor has no clothes at a certain point and it goes the other way. Right. And and you're never going to, yeah, back to the musical chairs analogy, you're never going to know when the music's going to stop and you're going to be the one sitting there holding a whole bunch of worthless shares um, or Beanie Babies or Tulip Balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I was telling a, 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 a younger person this morning to go back and watch the movie Boiler Room. Right. And then imagine that those guys, instead of instead of calling victims out in the, you know, the, we're calling each other because that's kind of what's happening on Reddit. It's like they're running a pump, what used to be called a pump and dump scheme on right. themselves. Yeah. You know, they're, 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 they're like feeding back on each other. Like, Let's drive the stock price higher. It's going to go to the moon. It's going to go to the moon. Well, one of those guys is going to get stuck with those shares, right? Right. For sure. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that's my big hang up. I, in the long run, I don't think it means much for most investor oriented people. I think this too shall pass. It's not going to turn Wall Street on its head or totally disrupt things. At the end of the day, these you know, even if these folks wanted to do that, it's not a it's not a long term viable thing. Yeah. And, and, and to the to the fundamental longer term perspective of what we're telling our clients is, you know, this is not. This is the ugly side of Wall Street. This is the day trade. You know, prices can fluctuate rapidly in the short mm-hmm. term. But if you take GameStop and, and you look at a, you know, a GameStop chart at some point in time in the 20 year history of the stock itself, there's going to be this big, whoop, whoop, big up yep. down yep. chart and, and a long, steady path. Right. And, and yeah. that's why, you know, when you think of it, sometimes you have to separate. And so what I don't want, what I fear for people that are just kind of, in passing, hearing about, you know, this battle on Wall Street between the nerds and, and Wall Street hedge funds is that's not it doesn't affect long term investing. Right. This is all mm-hmm. predicated on short term trying to pump up a stock and trying to you know short a stock. This is not the you know what we recommend is long term sound diversified investing. 
And yeah. this has no bearing on that whatsoever. And if you're investing for the long term, if you're investing for the things that our clients do, like retirement and things of that nature, this doesn't really have any effect on you. This is yeah. not the type of investing that we recommend. And so try not to get caught up in this rhetoric that Wall Street is bad and evil and corrupt. And sure, there's parts of Wall Street that aren't, you know, the greatest and they do some things that sometimes turn people off. But over by and large, most of the companies and most of the long term investments that you're going to hold in a portfolio aren't that way. Right, right. And, you know, along those lines, I worry, I worry that that the long term impact is going to be there's going to there's going to be this age group of people that have this really, really bad experience with the markets early in their investing career and say, forget it, I'm never doing that again. Right. And because we we saw that with the day traders, we Mm -hmm. saw that with um, folks who uh, um, a lot of, I I saw this phenomenon with folks that came of age, like in 2008, 2009, you know, they, they were scared to death to put money in the stock market because of what happened to their, what they saw their parents go through in 2008, right. 2009, or their first experience was putting money in a 401k just as they were getting laid off and the market collapsed, you know? Right. And and then, you know, talk to them 10 years later and they've got nothing in the market save for retirement. They've missed out on, you know, a phenomenal bull market. And I, I worry, I worry more that this is just another one of those things that's going to have a whole bunch of people saying, forget it. I'm not, I'm not playing that game again. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's really that same millennial generation, right? That grew up in 2008. Now they've, you know, they've got Robinhood on their apps. They're trying to, you know, figure it out. And then this happens. And it's like, and that generation particularly has to be careful about this because the way that the the economy is right now, if you look at their options, it's either put it in a savings account or nothing or put it in the market. And if you're afraid of the market, it, you know, it's extremely yep. difficult, if not impossible, to save enough for retirement if you're not going to get any interest and, ha- and you're putting it in cash. And yep. so that's the big concern as well with that. Yeah. And, you know, what I would say, if you're a young person with money to put in the market and you're in your 20s with a long-term view, go on Robin. Robinhood's fine. Go on Robinhood, buy something like Vanguard Total Market Index. And then ignore it for the next 20 years of your life. Right. And if you don't believe me, ask, you know, Warren Buffett or, you know, the, the, that's right. that's investing. You're investing in the economy and the future growth of the economy, not betting on, you might as well go and go and put it on the roulette wheel on 21 Black, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, if you're going right. to buy something like GameStop or AMC or BlackBerry or some other collapsing business. Yeah, so Absolutely. You know, obviously we get a little wound up. These are fun things to talk about. It's exciting to see how the markets work and how this is going to play out at the end of the yeah. day. It's it's a lot of dust that will probably have very little meaning. Yeah, but it's a real life soap opera on Wall Street. So it's, it's kind of cool <laughs> and it's caught everybody's attention, but there are some yeah. risks and some yeah. some things that you got to make sure you understand so you don't get caught up in, in doing something that's going to affect yeah. you long term. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure we sound like old fogies when we talk about this, but, uh, you know, we're pretty passionate about it. So for sure. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's something we believe in. So, yeah. And it's always fun to do these podcasts that date us, right? Talking right, about beanie right. babies yeah. and <laughs> Hey, I have just having a podcast, I think is all you have to know. Right. That's right. right? That's right. That, that's a little bit of street cred right there. 
So, okay. Well, uh, I'll we let you go. For us. Yeah, yeah well, sounds then, good, Dave. You know, we'll have to look back, maybe revisit this in a, in a couple of weeks or a couple of months when it's played out. And for sure. Out. Right, right. The dramatic conclusion. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, Nick. Thanks. All right. Yep. See you, Dave. Gather round and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.